Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. My name is Jill Chimperlick. Our scripture reading is from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 5 through 13. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Vine family, we are in a series that we're calling A Timely Word. Uh, because we're, we're having our services virtually, we thought that it would be uh, meaningful to use this opportunity to have voices from uh, all around our country uh, speak to our community. And uh, so I'm so excited about the message today and the speaker that you're about to meet. During this message, if there is a particular question that comes to mind, or if there is a quote or a concept that you would think would be helpful for us to talk uh, uh, through as a community, we're going to have a time of feedback after, uh, after the worship is over with. We're going to have a time of interaction as a community. So make sure to write in your comments uh, there on this page so that we can be able to see that and interact with this in a little bit. But I, I hope that this message is encouraging for you. Rich Veodos, it's great to have you here with us. It truly is an honor. It's a, it feels like a treat to have you uh, join us in this crazy time. And I really appreciate uh, your willingness to, to share with us uh, this week. How are you doing today? Um, well, it's great to be with you and with your community and uh, look forward to this conversation. Now, you and I have got to know each other uh, over the last couple of months. So why don't you share the context in which you uh, pastor today? Yeah, I pastor uh, New Life Fellowship Church in Queens, New York City. So where I became a Christian at is about 15 minutes from there. So Brooklyn to Queens. So I, I haven't traveled too far in, my, in the last 20 plus years. Uh, and so New Life is uh, a church that's 33 years old, uh, planted by a guy named Pete Scazzaro, who's written a number of books on emotional health and uh, contemplative spirituality and such. And uh, I've been at New Life for the past 12 years as a pastor. Uh, the past seven years as the lead pastor. And um, it's a congregation that's incredibly diverse. National Geographic has called the, the zip code that we gather at the most diverse zip code in the world. Uh, 75 nations represented in our church, 123 languages spoken in the nearby hospital. To take out $20 at the local ATM is a dizzying experience as there's often 15 to 20 language options to take out whatever money you need. Uh, and uh, beyond just the ethnic and uh, racial uh, diversity, there's generational diversity. Uh, and like in many churches, there's lots of political diversity as well. And so we have Black Lives Matter advocates and we have uh, All Lives Matter uh, congregants. We have 
uh, pro-Trump and never-Trump people sitting next together, often unbeknownst to each other, because mm-hmm. if they knew, they probably would move their, <laughs> their seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there are times when I feel like Christ is building the church, and then there are times that I go, this thing is coming down here because of the differences <laughs> yeah, that yeah. we see in our community that's often reflected in social media. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a, a little bit about our church, incredibly diverse and, uh, and a large immigrant population as well, because Queens is 50% of Queens is foreign born. Uh, and so we get that flavor of community as well. So that's a little bit about our congregation. Well, I, Rich, I thought about having you join us uh, for this series uh, we're calling A Timely Word, because I really do believe that you have this uh, prophetic insight, a pr- prophetic perspective um, that has been so helpful for many leaders and pastors and just followers of Christ in this day and age to, to be able to see and call out that which is good, that which needs to be challenged and so I've been very eager to hear from you uh, today. Uh, in, in our conversations, you shared that you wanted to, to go to John 15 for our time together. And so what made this passage uh, come to mind when you thought of sharing a timely word with our church? You know, when I think about what's happening in our world, a pandemic, a uh, racial crisis that continues to unfold, um, uh, political uh, hostility, uh, economic challenges. I I mean, we are in a very tenuous and um, debilitating situation, individually, familially, uh, church-wide, nationally. And so John 15, when I look at that passage, there are a number of things that come out. Um, uh, The first thing that comes out is just the, the call to abide with God. And abiding with Christ as a means of now um, relating to the world. And uh, the reason why it's so important to me is because I I think um, there is a lot of activity that's done for God um, or a lot of things that are done without God. Uh, And Robert Mulholland has said there, there are two ways of really being in the world. We could be in God for the world or we can be in the world for God. And there's a big difference there. Uh, to be in the world for God uh, is really about, uh, you know, what are the things that we, want, that we believe the world needs to be marked by? And even good things, justice, reconciliation. But our activity is separated from our being with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to uh, be in God for the world. Uh, and so when I think about John 15, this is what Jesus is essentially saying, abide in me, which is the word that comes up over and over in John 15. And then throughout the gospel of John, that word comes up significantly as well. Some 65 plus times, the Greek word meno, remain, to abide, to, to continue in, to remain steadfast to. And I think we are in a space right now where, number one, people don't know how to abide with God. Uh, people don't know how to pray. People don't know how to be silent and still before God. Uh, we are in and out people. Uh, and so I think, first of all, the reason why this passage is very timely for this cultural moment is because I think the life of the church and uh, collectively and individually will be as deep and as powerful to the degree that we learn how to abide. 
And um, one of the images in thinking about this, uh, I, I make my wife a cup of tea every day. Every day, I'm a good husband. I make her a cup of tea. Yes. And, um, and I realized that there are really two ways of making tea. And uh, this is one of the uh, uh, really metaphors that I like to give on a regular basis. Uh, and I, I'm curious what, you, how, what your uh, approach is, Mark, but, he, but there are two ways here. The first is that we can be a dipper. And you know what it's like, you, you, you pour the hot water and you like, you dip it in, you dip it out, you dip it in. And after when it gets to your liking, you know, you, you, you take it out. If you're sophisticated, you have a spoon, you wrap it around, you press, you throw it out if you want to get real sophisticated with it, which I do, by the way. Uh, so you could, be a, you could be a dipper. And there are a lot of people who are, who are dippers in Christianity. A lot of people who are dippers in the church. So we, we go into Sunday service, we come out of Sunday service. We go into the Bible, we dip out of the Bible. We're in and out. There's, there's not an abiding. So we could be dippers or we could be dwellers. And to be dwellers is, is to really let that tea bag just steep and let it sit there. And what begins to happen is transformation, when, it's, when transformation is done by dipping, that's a lot of effort on our end. Mm -hmm. And uh, no wonder we don't get too far. But when we're dwelling, uh, the composition of the water begins to change without any effort at all. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to someone who said, I don't like to let my tea bag steep or just dwell because then it'll get too strong. And I thought, oh my, uh, talk about a metaphor here. And I think that's what begins to happen. If we let ourselves steep with God, um, God's presence does get a bit strong, but we find ourselves doing things in God's strength that we can't do in our own strength, like loving our neighbors mm -hmm. and loving our enemies, like forgiving, uh, like working for justice in the world, like being generous, like seeing other uh, needs as more important than ours. Uh, and so the reason why John 15 is so important, first of all, is because it's about dwelling, abiding, remaining with Jesus. And I think a lot of people have a hard time doing that. I, I completely agree with you. I was reading over this passage earlier today. And honestly, for me, it makes me think if, if this really is the promise of Jesus, mm. that if you abide in me, you're going to experience my love yeah. And this is also that your joy could be made complete. Yeah. Like what other longing do we have as people more than to experience the love of God and the fullness of joy? Mm -hmm. Yet we have a hard time believing in his words by, yeah. by, by the way in which we live. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, I, I think part of that is we don't know how to do it. We don't know what it means. Uh, but I think you're right. Uh, the deepest longings that we have in our own souls for the world and for our own lives is, is it really begins at a place at the place of our own abiding with God. And so, for example, this is this is this is a, a chair in my my bedroom here, and this is a place where I like to 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 steep to to, to dwell. And I think some remarkable things happen when you give yourself space to be with God, whether it's for five minutes, 10 minutes of just intentional. Uh, Dave Fitch last week said, and I listened, watched the video, you know, uh, the, the epiclesis, you know, just, mm -hmm. I want to be present to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. you know, this is one of the ways we were abiding, present to the presence of God. I'm going to take five minutes, 10 minutes to be present to the presence of God so that I can now be present with my neighbor, yeah. present with my family, present with someone who I find very difficult to love, 
but it begins at this dwelling place. That's right. And that so often, often gets cut short. I was even thinking about Jesus's words in this passage. Uh, when Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Yes. And I honestly don't think we believe that. Mm. I really don't believe that we think that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Yeah, yeah. And part of it is because we, we do so much that from a worldly perspective, from a human perspective, seems really significant. And that's not to say that these things aren't significant, but I think Jesus, the way that Jesus measures fruit and success is different from how we tend to measure fruit and success. And the painful truth about that is we could be going in a particular direction thinking we're bearing good fruit when in fact uh, we might not be. And uh, the sad reality that we will come to a day where we will see God face to face. And, you know, there's that passage in Revelation where it talks about tears and all that there. And then he wipes the tears. I, I wonder if the, some of the tears are God saying, thanks for doing that. I didn't ask you to do that. <laughs> right. You, and you didn't do it from, from a place of being with me. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, so, this idea of steeping, of abiding, it, it goes so contrary to our, our love of productivity, of efficiency. Yeah. It seems so unproductive just to rest and abide uh, with Christ. Offering nothing, <laughs> doing mm-hmm. nothing, just being with. Um, and Jesus in this passage promises that if you try to do this on your own, if you detach, if you don't remain in me, you're going to wither. Mm-hmm. And what I see in our culture that this conversation is making me thinking of, even though we're highly productive, we are a, a people that wither. We're withered. Yeah. yeah. And there's just obvious signs of that, isn't it? Lots of signs of withering. And the withering is personally uh, in terms of our own burnout, uh, the, the stress that we don't know how to navigate and manage, uh, the trauma that we don't have space to uh to process uh the societal uh breakdowns whether in our families i mean we are a withering society for sure and i think we're seeing that uh, the, the the gift of social media is it serves as a mirror uh for what's happening uh you know people can argue whether social media causes or reveals uh the the withering ways of our lives uh, but I, I do think it reveals it. And um, I, I think we are in a time right now where on the outside we can look very successful, but we can be withering. And I imagine some folks watching right now are withering. Uh, and you might have just gotten a promotion, might have just gotten a new job in the middle of, of a pandemic. Uh, things might be going well on one end financially, whatever. But um, it is still possible that we can be withering where on the outside things look really good. Something interesting in this passage is that uh, it's almost that it's almost a little confusing. I think if you were to read this for the first time, this passage is talking about Jesus uh, commanding them to re- uh, commanding us to remain in, in him, to remain in his love. So it seems like it's this experience of being with God um, if you will keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have 
kept my father's command. So it just seems like it's just this, then all of a sudden, but here's my command. It's to love each other as I have loved you. Yeah. 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 How do you, how do you take that turn that Jesus is saying here in this passage? Well, first of all, I mean, I think this is a passage that we need to be reminded of on a regular basis because the gravitational pull spiritually for us is to compartmentalize. And um, I know this to be true for myself. Uh, how do you know you love God? Well, you, you know you love God by how you love your neighbor. And we don't want that. We just want is me and Jesus. I just want to have a good time with Jesus. But the way that we demonstrate that is in our love for our neighbor. And what's interesting in the passage is who Jesus is talking to when he gives these commands. Because Jesus is talking to a group of disciples who are very different from each other. And uh, I think they, they, he didn't have them do an Enneagram workshop and then say, okay, um, these numbers would fit with this number. He didn't have them do a Myers-Briggs test and say, you know, this profile will work good with this profile. Let's get together. He grabbed people who politically, ideologically, uh, were often on different ends of the spectrum. And, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think about, uh, you know, Matthew and I think about Simon in particular, those two guys who Jesus gathers together. And if you just a cursory look at them, you would see, imagine the conversations in the small group because, you know, Matthew's a tax collector. Simon is a tax protester. I just get that right for a second, right? You know, uh, Matthew collected revenue for the Romans. Uh, Simon was a rebel against the Romans. Uh, you know, Matthew lived to make his money by overcharging people like Simon, and Simon lived to kill people like Matthew. <laughs> and so Jesus says, uh, you guys would be great in my group, let me tell you. And, and, he, and he joins them together. And so the people that he's saying to love uh, are not people that are easy to love. And I think uh, Jesus does not create a group um, that is supernaturally empowered and predisposed to this kind of way. These are people that are very difficult to love. And yet something is possible by abiding in him. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I think that's the connection there. We can't compartmentalize our love for God and love for our neighbor. At the same time, when Jesus gives this command, this to people that are not have it's not easy for them to love. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm, I'm glad that uh, that was the case because if it wasn't the case, I'd be pretty depressed right now. <laughs> but I think it is possible. I, I think God's love is possible um, in that kind of community. And boy, do our churches need it in this particular moment. Right. So for you, you're even seeing the original group of disciples that Jesus intentionally brought in a group of that it would be challenging for them to figure out how to abide in his love by loving each other. And Jesus is saying, this is possible. And this is actually how the kingdom of God is going to be initiated in this world is through this uh, diverse group that goes, it's counterintuitive. It's actually countercultural to the ways of antagonism in our society. Absolutely. And he, he starts this new family in his name 
from people, again, on the different ideological, political, cultural spectrums and such. And um, I think he sets a model for us that this is what the church is to be, to move out of our own. Now, this is not easy. I, I mean, um, we, we all have the people in our communities and in our lives that are very difficult to love. And they all, they feel the same way about me and the same way about you. Uh, but I, I think no, 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 Jesus, no, no, no. I, everyone, I, everyone loves me. It's, it's, I, I, it's really easy. I, your church is definitely uh, the exception to the rule. I just yeah. know it. Yeah. Uh, your church is named Vine. I mean, this is John 15 right here. Yeah. And so you guys, you guys have mastered Got it. Already. For everyone else watching this, though, uh, you know, I, I think we are to, to be a prophetic witness in this world is to be something that is much different than the world. The world cannot offer this. Uh, and I think that's the, the, that's the point with Jesus gathering people that are so different from the very beginning and saying, let's demonstrate that something is possible uh, in my name. I imagine listening to this from, you know, maybe someone who's not fully connected or someone who's in their home right now and having gone through around half of a year of, sense of uh, loss with this pandemic, half a year of isolation, and and then even this week, watching a, a hurricane devastate, mm -hmm. um, you know, here in Texas or neighbor Louisiana, watching uh, a shooting that took place earlier this week and the, the racial tension that is just so prevalent and on the surface yeah. and just feeling exhausted. Yeah. Feeling tired in this idea of great. Now I have another commandment. I have another thing I got to do and it's to love other people. How is this good news? Mm -hmm. like, what do you say to someone who is just exhausted? Yeah. You know, for those who are exhausted and who, who, go right to that. Wow. You've given me another thing to do. Like I didn't have already a long list of things to do. Now you're giving me this thing to do. Um, when we talk about abiding with God and I, I, I think if, if we can get this deep in our soul, um, it, it will not come across as another thing to do. Um, to abide with God is to allow the very life of God to flow through us really effortlessly. And, that, um, and, and that's the point of this passage. The point of this passage is, if, if you are connecting your life with me, um, this doesn't become a matter of another thing to do. You will find yourself doing things. Dallas Willard would say that grace is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And uh, that's grace. That's not just a salvific soteriological category you know saving you but it's every single day to live in the grace of god is to recognize god is doing something in me that i can't do for myself which is loving our neighbor which is why you know you know coming back to steeping i i think the more for when, when people are wondering what what is the particular response in this moment my first really invitation is, have you been with God? Uh, sure, we need to work for justice. Sure, we need to preach and protest. Sure, we need to raise our voices. But have you been with God? 
And I think for those who have been with God, there is a, um, a, a, an effortless flow. Uh, and, and, and that's the hope. The hope is that we're not thinking about what do I have to do? It's how can God work in me and God work through me as I abide? So my recommendation for folks who are thinking about this passage and loving people that they can't stand and got an election coming up, God help us. Um, what would it look like in a given day to stop, to be with God? Uh, I, I practice centering prayer on a regular basis, and it is kind of my go-to spiritual practice. And centering prayer is you sitting in a chair like this, opening your hands before God, having a word uh, or phrase that keeps you present to the presence of God when your mind gets distracted about a myriad of things. And when your mind does that, you come gently back to that word, Jesus, a phrase like, here I am, a phrase like the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You do that little by little, day by day, you will find yourself beyond just your brain rewiring and all the mindfulness stuff there. You will find yourself living, I, I think, more patient You'll find yourself living more loving. Why? Because you're giving God access to the deepest parts of your being. Mm -hmm. And it's no longer you. It's, it's Christ living in you and living through you. So for those who are wondering, what do I have to do? Uh, I, I think that's the wrong question. I, I think the question is, what do you have to not do? And part of it is it's, it's abiding with God in this way. Yeah. It's, it's so clear, like when you put it like that, that that centering prayer that abiding and soaking in in god's presence of course that's going to train us how to love well because mm. we just we just had this posture of receiving from god of listening to god without our own agenda being present to god yeah. and therefore maybe we can take those same practices and being present with other people receiving hearing listening uh, without our agenda um yeah, yeah that's so good well, thanks for this time. I know that you have a lot of stuff this first week back, so appreciate your, your attention and your time. Thanks, Mark. So thanks for having me, bro. And um, yeah, I hope this time is a blessing to your congregation. I think this message of abiding with Christ and in Christ is always a timely word. But uh, just like you, we, we discussed in this, six months of this season uh, can cause us to wither the contention that we have in our society can cause us to wither. Um, the fears that we're experiencing with economics or political fears, whatever it might be, all of these things can cause us to wither. So this is a timely word for us because in this season, we need to abide in Jesus more than ever before. We actually need to, to remain connected to the source of life that promises uh, to lead us and to bring us joy. And we also need to experience this abiding uh, love and connection to Jesus if we're called to do the challenging thing like loving others, especially loving our neighbors. And so my hope and my prayer is for our church, for me as well in this season, that we would experience a deepness, a, a richness of abiding in Christ that we haven't had before that we'd actually go further in this experience of knowing a connection to God, a deep connection to God that fuels our hearts and our minds, our imaginations, and fuels our souls to the richness of God's love. So may it be so for our church. 
in this season. May it be so for you this week that you would know and experience a closeness, a nearness with Jesus, and that we would abide in him. Amen.